Thank you, Vicky. That was, uh, that's okay. <laughs> no, that was awesome. I paused at the end, though, because usually when people play that well, they usually have those false starts. And I start to clap and then realize that the song wasn't over yet. I'm going to do something a little bit different. Usually I don't read scripture in the beginning. It's usually in the middle of the sermon, but we're going to read some scripture to begin. So just in honor of God's word, can we stand as I read scripture together? Reading from John 1, it'll be on the screen as well. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without, without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace and place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Lord, bless your word today. Help us as we talk about Jesus to have a better understanding of what he means to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. There's a lot of important questions that, that we ask every day. Some of you are already asking the most important question you ask on Sunday afternoon, what am I going to eat for lunch and am I going to get a chance to take a nap, all right? Uh, you know, a lot of important questions though. You, you'll ask, I think, who you marry is an important question. Where, where you will work, um, what, what, what you will do for a living, what kind of education you will receive, who your friends will be. Who your friends will be is an important question to ask. Don't, don't ever begin to think, ah, friends and who I'm in a relationship with doesn't matter. It does matter. Important questions like, what, what will I do in my spare time? Where, where will I live? Where will I go to church? All of these are important questions that we ask, but, but I believe the central question that we ask in this life is, who is Jesus? <laughs> who is Jesus? It's a central question. It, it's probably the most important question that you could ever ask. Reportedly, Soren Kierkegaard said, who is Jesus is the most important question in human history and nothing else. 
You know, I, I'm not sure if he said it. I couldn't find a citation, but, but, but it's attributed to him as saying this. Whether he said it or not, I believe this is correct. Who is Jesus is a central, the central question of history. Now, now we can't deny the significance of Jesus to, to the Western world, at least, because history is divided by Jesus. Uh, you now, in, in history classes now, they use modern age versus pre-modern age, but, but, but history is divided by the advent of Jesus Christ in the Western world. He is significant enough that we measure our time by Jesus. So, so Jesus is significant in so many ways. And last week, we, we began to examine who we are we, we call this a vision statement, but, but I think probably the better way to phrase this is just simply who we are. And, and we're simply ordinary people following Jesus. And in your bulletin, we, we've got that fleshed out for you once again. I wanted to put that in a couple of weeks. Last week was Labor Day week. Maybe, maybe you were gone. I'm not going to read it to you again, but you can see in your bulletin kind of what that means. And, and this sermon series, we're just really tracking through what it means to be ordinary people following Jesus. And, 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 and we're really talking about why we follow Jesus. You know, if, if, if the central ideal, the central vision, that the identifying mark of this church is that we are people who are following Jesus Christ, then isn't it important to kind of examine who Jesus is? And talk about why we believe he's significant. And, and, and last week, we, we began this process with just the, a very simple ideal within every person is an eternal need. Eternity is, is what Solomon writes, is built into each person. Within each individual in this room, you have an eternal vacuum. You have something within you, this striving, this longing, this eternal need. And, and oftentimes we, we try to fill it with temporary things. We, we try to fill it with education or material things or finances or pleasure. And, and we, we continually throw things into this eternal need and we never are satisfied. And so we began this, this series with this very... Central ideal, only an eternal God can fill our eternal need. In other words, I, I believe this is true. I, you will not be satisfied until you allow God to satisfy you. Nothing else will do. And in my life, I have tried to satisfy myself with other things. And, and, and I have never found satisfaction other than in God and through Jesus Christ. And, and maybe this morning you're still right there. That You know, there's, there's all these other things and, and, and God's kind of there and you want to serve him. And, but, but first I need to, you know, once I'm married or once I have kids or, or once the kids are out of the house or, or once we sell this or once I do this or once I accomplish this, then, then yeah. Can I tell you? you will never be satisfied with anything else. And so we come to the question is, why do we follow Jesus? And, and, I, and I wrote it a couple different ways. I, I, you know, why do we follow Jesus or, or what makes Jesus different? And, and we've been 
been answering that on that back wall, I hope you've taken the time to to write, answer the question Jesus is and, and what Jesus means to you on a post-it note and put it on the back wall. I've read through those, you know, they're, they're blessings to me to, to see what people's putting on there. And all those notes, you would think, well, you know, does it get repetitive? You know, I, I see almost a different response on every post-it note. You know, because for those who have followed Jesus for a long time, Jesus is so central, he's just everything, <laughs> You know, he, he makes family right, he makes work right, he makes church right, he makes friendships right, he, makes, he helps us go through, you know, all these things. You can answer this question in so many ways. So, so I hope that not only will you write on the wall, you'll spend some time looking at how people have answered this question. Jesus is. But this morning, I, I think we need to see this. Jesus was more than just a good man. He was more than just a prophet or a teacher. Jesus was the God-man. He was fully God and fully human. And both of those things makes a difference. It makes a difference that Jesus was fully God. And it makes a difference that Jesus was fully human. And we follow Jesus because... Jesus meets a need that no one else or nothing else can meet. See, there's a, we're not just empty in our life, but there's a gap. You know, we have this, and I think most of us intuitively understand this, when we begin to, we begin to think about God, because God is this holy other. He is righteous. He is pure. He is true. And, and most of us have enough self-awareness when we begin to think of this righteous God to understand that there is a gap between me and this righteous God. And all these things that I do to make myself pleasing, to make myself pure, to make myself worthy, when I evaluate myself honestly, I look at those things and I say, I'm still not worthy of this holy, righteous God. This perfect, all-powerful, creating God. So, so we need something to bridge this gap between us and God. You know, th- th- there's, this, th- there's this gap that there's no way on our own we can bridge. And so we need someone or something to bridge this gap between us and God. And this unique Jesus, th- this Jesus who is all God and all man, accomplishes this. So this morning, I'm going to give you the, the main point early. And so I guess if you really want and, and, you, and, and, you, and you've got it and, and you don't need to hear any more, after you get the main point, you can take a nap, okay? Um, ushers, can we get the blankets and the pillows? No, we won't, we won't go that far. But I want you to see this morning, in his divine humanity, Jesus reconciles fallen humanity to God. This divine man, this divine human is able to bring us together with this, our divine God. 
So we're going to explore this just a little bit this morning. You know, I try to explore who Jesus is and, and what it means. To be honest, this is a series. And, and you know, to talk about who Jesus is and, and the wrong assumptions and the wrong things we do with Jesus, oftentimes, th- th- this is a series of its own. And, and at some point, maybe we'll, we'll preach it or teach it. But, but this morning, we're just going to, we're going to try to cover it in a day. And the first thing I want you to see is this, Jesus was fully God. And if you be- believe that this morning, say amen. Okay, now you're free. I'm not going to ask you to say amen again, okay? Isn't that the neediest thing that pastors do? Won't you please say amen? And every Sunday I, I, I get done preaching and I say, why do I say that? It's like telling a joke, say, okay, now laugh. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Griffith. You know, Jesus was more than just a good man. And throughout history, there's, you know, there's been all sorts of labels, but you don't see a lot of people who deny the historical Jesus anymore. Even Muslims and even Jews will accept the historical Jesus, but, but, but he's confined to terms as a good man or a prophet or a teacher or a radical or an example. Even in the Christian church, there's some that just take Jesus as this, this great teacher or this great example. And, and it's been a, a, an issue, it's been a heresy throughout the history of the church that's been addressed from time to time. But I want you to know this morning that the Bible does not say that Jesus was just a good man. That The scripture that we read this morning, John 1 says, the word the very essence of God. And when, when the, in the New Testament, the Greek word logos is talking about the essence. The very essence of God became flesh, became human. So, so Jesus wasn't just a good man or a good teacher or a prophet or an example. Jesus was fully God. Now the Hebrew writer says it like this. He says, God... After he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purifications of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. In other words, the Hebrew writer trying to make sense to, to, to Jewish people of who Jesus is, who, who, who have, have understood there is one, only one God, and, and understanding who Jesus is makes a particular emphasis at the very beginning of the book to say, Jesus is the exact representation. He is the radiance of the Almighty God, and he is sitting at the right hand of God right now. He is fully God. Before I go anywhere else in this letter, before I explain any other theology, before I explain anything else, you need to understand that Jesus was and is God. And and, and can I be honest? (laughs) I I could have read a hundred different scriptures today saying the same thing. You know, the New Testament 
bears witness, continually bears witness to Jesus being fully God. Jesus didn't see himself as a, simply a good man either, but, but he saw himself as the God-man. And you see this in John 14, 1 through 11, it says, Jesus says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. And you know the way, the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? I love how honest the disciples are at times, don't you? I think this would have been a time that I'd have been quiet and not said anything because I didn't understand. But I'm glad Thomas asked this question because if Thomas didn't ask that question, we probably wouldn't have got the rest of what Jesus says right here. He says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. It is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you've not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. In other words, can't you see me, Thomas? I am the Father. He, I am the exact representation. His essence, his character is in me. And to see me is to see the Father. Scripture. To, to believe in the Bible. To, to, to accept the New Testament is to say that Jesus was God. To, to, to understand and to believe what Jesus is saying is to believe that Jesus was God. Jesus was eternally one with the Father. C.S. Lewis, who I love to read C.S. Lewis. Sometimes he gets a little bit deep and he confuses me a bit, but sometimes he's so clear on things that he makes things a lot easier to understand. But mere Christianity, and you've, you've probably heard this quote before, he talks about who Jesus was and and he begins by saying this, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. And he's talking about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man said the sort of things Jesus said would not have been a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. In other words, C.S. Lewis is saying either Jesus was God 
or he was a lunatic. And Jesus did not give us the opportunity to accept him as anything but fully God. So where does this leave us? And what do we do? With, why, why do we follow Jesus? Because Jesus was God in the flesh. When we see Jesus, we see our Heavenly Father. You know, to be honest, in the, in the church, most of the time, we don't have trouble with that. In a Christian church, most of the time, we will accept as Jesus as God. But, but I want you to also see that Jesus was fully human. See, sometimes in the church, we make Jesus Superman Jesus. And, and, he, and he's never tempted, and he never touches the earth, and he, he never has any trials, and, and he understands completely, and there's never any pain, and there's never any trust, and there's never any faith that has to be expressed in his life, because he's God. Superman. Jesus. Matter of fact, I saw a, um, a kid's... Uh, and I don't even know where I was looking at this, but it was a, a, a children's pastor that had developed this series, and sure enough, there was Jesus with a cape flying like Superman. You know, there's a danger to that. Jesus was fully human. And we don't see Jesus as fully human. There's this disconnect between us and him. The word became flesh. Jesus was fully God, but Jesus was fully human. In fact, Jesus shows us what it means to be fully human, to be truly human. When we remove the deity of Jesus, I believe we limit the effect his life, death, and resurrection can have. I believe there's truth to that. But there's a danger in removing his humanity as well. And the Gospels go to great length, not only to describe the deity of Jesus, but the humanity of Jesus. You know, you see this in, in, in the birth accounts. I mean, why else? You know, the, the baby Jesus doesn't really say anything, and there's, there's limited theological importance to, to the gospel accounts just in and of themselves, other than the fact that the gospel accounts talk about the birth of a human, fleshly Jesus. He didn't just all of a sudden show up. God didn't beam him down into history, but Jesus experienced life as a baby. Have you ever thought about that? Now, I, I know we sing, and it's not Christmas yet, but we'll sing it, and, and it's sweet, and it's good. You know, away in the manger, you know, little Lord Jesus, no crying he made. <laughs> That's not like any baby I've ever met. And, and folks, even though it's cute, it's not accurate. You know, the Scriptures talks about Jesus developing spiritually and emotionally and educationally and physically like any other kid. You know, when Jesus tripped on a rock, guess what? He scraped his knee. You know, he didn't hover over the earth. He experienced 
life as a human. He emptied himself of the ability to control every circumstances in his life. And he experienced life like you and I. I don't know about you, but that's something powerful when I begin to think about God experiencing life like me. Jesus accepting a human body with its restrictions and, and, and sickness and, and pain and hunger and thirst. And at the end of his life, even death. Jesus physically died. Restricted himself. He accepted human emotions. He, Jesus wept. He had to deal with unmet expectations. And, and I don't know what that meant with, with anger and, and, and not sinning and, and all those things. But, but Jesus dealt with all the... David, Jesus dealt with, with silly people just like you and I did, right? Amen? <laughs> Please say amen. <laughs> deal with life. He had laughter, he had joy, he had disappointment. All those things that we deal with, Jesus dealt with. Isaiah says this. He says, he, For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He, he has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to, attracted to him. You know, and I've, I've often struggled. I don't know, maybe, maybe you guys never struggle and think about these things, but, but I think about these things. We always think, well, if Jesus walked in the room, I would know him. You know, because he'd be glowing. What if you wouldn't have? Well, what if Jesus was just ordinary Joe, ordinary carpenter? As a matter of fact, folks, there, there's like 30 years where Jesus is just Just a carpenter from Nazareth. Just Mary and Joseph's son. And it's as if nondescript, ordinary. I I don't know about you folks, but that helps me. It, It helps me to think that my God took on human form and lived just an ordinary working life. Hard work earn a living, family, friends, people getting sick, scrape knees, smacking your finger with a hammer. <laughs> it helps me because there's a connection there. I, I read this book last week, last year by N.T. Wright that, that talks about Jesus and, and, and he's talking about how, you know, that this this 30 years, and and N.T. Wright suggests, and I don't know if he's right or not. Uh, Well, he is right. He's N.T. Wright, but I don't know if he's correct or not. said Jesus, from his perspective, this is his theory, that Jesus kind of had to work through who he was. He had to develop trust and faith, and and he did that. And some people will say, oh, that's sacrilege. That Oh, Jesus, you know, as a baby, Jesus was laying in the manger, knew exactly what he was supposed to do. Maybe that's the way it was. I don't know. But there's some power to think that Jesus had to work through who he was through trust and faith, through Scripture and church, just like we do. And there's a period where Jesus is just trying to grasp hold of who he is and what God wants to do through him. 
And you see this expressed sometimes in the gospel. Sometimes it seems like Jesus knows everything. And then there's times it seems like he doesn't know anything. You know, he sees the Samaritan woman at the well, and he tells her her life story without knowing anything about her. And then he's in a crowd, and some lady reaches out and touches him, and Jesus is like, oh, you know, I felt something leave me, but I don't know who touched me. And it makes me wonder, you know, is our God loving enough? Is our God so concerned about who we are that, and wrapping himself in humanity that Jesus could empty himself to the point where he had to learn what it meant to trust and have faith. And he had to exercise all those things that we have to exercise, dealing with life and pain and temptation, learning to trust. You know, I think somehow that connects the Garden of Gethsemane in my life. You know, Jesus isn't praying in the Garden just saying, All right, you know, now i got to do what... I've determined to do since the foundations of time. They say, is there another way? You know, he, he, he's praying so hard and he's struggling so hard that the scripture says it's like he's, he's, like he's crying blood. Jesus was fully human. And it's in the fully human Jesus that I find connection because Jesus understands. In Hebrews it says, For we not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. I want you to know this morning, that God loves you so much that he wrapped himself in flesh and he experienced life just like you experienced life. Physical pain, emotional uh, pain, uh, relationship pain, financial hardship, all these things, learning to trust. Jesus experienced it and he understands what you're going through this morning. But there's more. See, Jesus came to redeem us. And it's through this fully God and fully human Jesus that God has reconciled humanity to himself. In his divine humanity, Jesus reconciles fallen humanity to God. And the divine and the humanity is intentional and it's important. This God-man has brought us Together with God. So this morning, maybe, maybe you're still trying to earn your way in. It's possible in a congregation this size that, 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 that it's somehow come, been equated in your mind with things that you do. And, and, and it's just a gift. You can't earn it. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation's not a reward for the good things we've done, so not, none of us can boast about it. You know, Jesus comes, and he's offering salvation. And, and in this fully God, fully human Jesus, we can be reconciled with our heavenly Father. Can I go on to, to what we call our distinctive, the our, our holiness, entire sanctification. 
See, there's more here, and, and I think this fully human Jesus helps us understand that, that God didn't just come to punch a ticket for us to heaven, but God came to redeem our bodies. He came to redeem and change humanity, and this Jesus, this fully human, fully God Jesus has come to redeem us fully. To make us brothers and sisters. You know, why? Do, do you think the Bible gives us commands that we can't live to just to make us fell? In, in Philippians, Paul says, hey, you should have the mind of Jesus Christ. Uh, present your bodies as a living sacrifice so God can transform you. you know, see, see, I, I just think the Bible gives us these imperatives and these instructions because. God wants us to live in that way, and he gives us the power to live in that way. And see, a fully human Jesus means that God has come to redeem humanity. Jesus took on human body, a human body to save our bodies. And he took on a human mind to save our minds. Without becoming a man in his emotions, he could not have saved our emotions. And without taking a human will, he could not save our will. In the words of Gregory of Nazanesus, that which he has not assumed, he has not healed. But I want you to know this morning that Jesus has assumed it all. And there can be complete healing in your life. He's come to redeem your mind, your emotions, your attitude, your, your bodies. See, fully human Jesus means our bodies, not just our souls, but our bodies can be redeemed. And what we do physically matters. A fully divine and a fully human Jesus redeems us spiritually and physically. My mom sings and you, you've not met my mom yet and she's she's sweet i mean she has to be sweet look at me <laughs> don't yeah don't don't <laughs> don't put me on her she's much nicer than me but she sang a song and and maybe you've heard it in this church over the years born to serve the lord it's it's an old song and stand with me if you will we're going to have prayer time in a second, but I'll read this song to you. And From the dust of the earth, my God created man. His breath made man a living soul. And God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and that is why I love him so. My hands were made to help my neighbor. My eyes were made to read God's word. My feet were made to walk in his footsteps. My body is the temple of the Lord. I was made in his likeness, creating his image, for I was born to serve the Lord. I will not deny him, I will always walk beside him, for I was born to serve the Lord. Can I ask you this morning, have you allowed God to completely redeem you? I mean, have you just given him your emotions and your mind and your attitude and just everything about you? I'm going to ask Vicki to come and, and play. And I'm going to ask Joe and, and Pastor Joe and Pastor Christy to stand on this side of the altar. Last week I went and saw um, Mark Fuller at Grove City and he said they have two sides of their altar just so people will know. They have self-serve and full-serve. <laughs> 
And maybe you want somebody to pray. You can stand behind the altar here, Joe. Maybe you want somebody to pray with you, and maybe you just need to spend some time alone with God. Um, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. Vicky's going to play just for a few moments, and this is your invitation to come. You know, the altars aren't for bad people. Altars are for good people seeking to find God's will. And I encourage you, if he's speaking, come quickly. Let's pray, our Heavenly Father, right now, I'm in your presence. I've got to confess, I don't understand it all, but I believe it. Jesus was fully God, yet at the same time, he was fully human. This perfect, sinless Son of God experienced life like I experience life. There's times he was misunderstood. There was times he went through difficulties. There was times when relationships didn't work according to his plans. There was times when he hurt. There was times when he laughed and he cried. Whatever I go through this week, I have an advocate that stands at the right hand of my heavenly Father and he speaks a word to the Father of understanding. I've been there, Father God. It hurts. It's confusing. When we go through temptation, Jesus doesn't point his finger at us and, and look down at us as lesser, but he says, I, I was tempted too. But there's a way through. This fully divine, this fully human Jesus invites us to more. He invites us to a renewed attitude. He invites us to a mind that's focused on God. He invites us to be people who put our gifts to use to the glory of our Heavenly Father. He invites us to be light. He invites us to be salt. So Lord, I think about this service and Lord, I believe in worship services and gathering around your word and, and just um, responding to you in this, in this environment. But there's something about the fully God, fully human Jesus that reminds me that it's not based on what we do in here entirely. But fully human Jesus lived in the world. And he brought glory to God wherever he lived and whatever he did. And Lord, you're inviting us, you're calling us to the same. 
So now, Lord, help us as we find ourselves in your presence to be transformed to the point that as we walk out those doors, we're still in your presence. Lord, I love you. And I thank you for salvation and for what it means. Be with us now, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.